This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Zandra Robinson Burns, writer and the founder of Heroin Training. And today's episode of The Art Life is about Patreon for artists. I am so pleased to introduce my co-host, actress, activist, and Patreon artist, Grace Gordon. Grace, how is your art life? It's really good. My art life is really dreamy right now. Um, I I have so much that I want to talk about, but since we have you know, such limited time in these episodes, I want to just tell you a story instead, because this will be such a full circle moment for the people who've been listening to this show from the fruition of it, because there have been several times now where I have mentioned the bookstore Book Soup. We love bookstores on this podcast. And I've told quite a few stories uh, from that bookstore, hosting my own um, uh, bookstore event there for a friend of mine, seeing my favorite director and his producer's sister for their book. And then last night, visiting them again at Book Soup because... Um, Barbara Muschietti, the producer of the It films, was uh, there celebrating the release of her fiancé's new historical fiction, literary fiction novel called um, The King at the Edge of the World. The author is Arthur Phillips. It's a phenomenal book that I saw Barbara advertising on her Instagram. She posted, you know, for LA people, we're going to have a... a book event at book soup again like for arthur's new book and um being the the perfectionist that i am i of course immediately read the whole book within a day and came to the bookstore like all right i'm gonna ask a question i'll make sure i ask a good question and um (laughs) and it was it was such a fantastic book and I did ask my question, and then it turned out that it was the release party, which I didn't even know. And Barbara's brother, Andy, who directed the It films, who I just am like head over heels, like in admiration of at all times, was there. And I got to chat with him. And um, it was just such a wonderful full circle moment for for those who have been listening to the show. Uh, you've heard me talk about an event that I hosted at Book Soup that was all about Latinx representation in comics and um, activism and telling your own family's story through the graphic memoir. And then a week later, I got to meet Andy and Barbara, who are heroes of mine. And now, uh, two months after that, I got to be there in more of a social context um, and talk talk Andy's ear off about every book he's ever mentioned that I have voraciously read and taken notes on. And which he, which he, um, he indulged with grace and it was, it was just a wonderful evening and I'm so lit up right now in part because I, I do run into the issue at times in Los Angeles in part because I don't work in bookstores anymore. You know, I work as an actor and a model and uh, it's gig to gig and I never really know what's next. I do, I do have the feeling often of, of being intellectually starving here. And I, that's a terribly judgmental thing to say. Um, and it's all comes down to finding my people, which is something we talk about so much on the show. But I, 
I feel while I'm creatively fulfilled often in my own work, I do feel a real hunger for more like intellectual friends and people who are in the book world. And it was such a wonderful evening talking with people who I really um, crave interaction with, talking about books and and disagreeing with Andy about the ending of Watchmen. And like, it was just delightful. So my art life is the life of my dreams in that I am constantly putting myself out there, honestly, and um, going to the bookstore, which is my element, like meeting people in my element and reminding myself that more and more I am collecting the the people who I want to be on my team and um, connecting with them in an honest way. I'm not, I'm not looking for anything from any of these people. I just want to fucking talk to them about books. Well, that's the dream. Just talking to people about books. It seems so obvious that when you're looking for your people and you're feeling intellectually starved that you might find these people in a bookshop i've also been trying to spend more time in bookshops just not to go in and get a certain book but just to be there and i've sort of set a um an aim for myself which is to have a bookshop browse at least once a week. I've realized it's so good for me. And your story inspires me even further to remember that anything can happen in bookshops. You can meet bookworms and be as utterly tickled as you are. Go to bookstore events, Sandra. I am booking one this afternoon. Hooray. (laughs) Yay. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that during different transitions in my life, I've spent a particularly large amount of time in bookstores because the other parts of my life have been um, in limbo. Even I think back to the time when I I dropped out of high school and um, I, you know, I no longer was in school and I actually would spend a good amount of my time hanging out in Barnes and Noble. That was when I started to do that. So it's just a really interesting thing to notice how these spaces can fill a, a void in our lives when we need them. And we must all spend our money in bookstores and li- and donate money to the libraries so they don't go away. Zandra, how is your art life? Well, now I just want to talk about books. So I'll, I'll weave that in. But do you want to hear about London? I would love to hear about your trip to London. So last week, on as we were recording our episode, I was boarding a train the same afternoon to go meet my sister who happened to be in London. And returning to this city is so bizarre for me because I used to live there and I counted the years. It was seven years ago that I lived in London very briefly. And so I feel this this sense of like, I should know this city And yet I don't because it's massive and it changes so quickly. So I would experience this bizarre sensation of walking down a street and knowing logically that I was going in the right place because I was constantly cross-referencing with my map, which was a paper map, by the way. And 
every now and then I would spot a landmark and my brain would just click into place and I would know exactly where I was. And there was this very physical experience of like, of groundedness and knowing of my, the logic of my brain, knowing I was going the right way with like just the the memory, the feeling of, yes, you've been here before and you know exactly where which way you're oriented. And so being in London was a bit like traveling through time. And I found myself not getting too stressed about it and instead just sort of experiencing how my own timeline has has moved forward and how nice it is to suddenly feel familiar again. And how often has your sister spent time in London? I'm not sure, actually. Um, not much. <laughs> um, she was... So I moved to the UK to do my undergraduate degree at Oxford, and then she ended up coming to Oxford as well as a visiting student, but we never overlapped. And I know that during my time there, I would take the Oxford tube, which is this um, bus that you specifically go from Oxford to London on and would go on day trips to the city. So I think her experience of London was similar to that, um, aside from a couple of family vacations. And we even got to go on a day trip to Oxford at the end of our trip, which was... Oh, that's so special. It was so special because we hadn't really overlapped there before, but we had shared a lot of experiences separately where we knew the same places and... Oxford is totally a travel through time because it's so old. There's so much history there, and it's small. So my feet knew exactly where I was going in Oxford. And I love that there's there's so much history there in terms of like the great artists over, uh, throughout history, but there's also your personal history with the place and Junie's personal history with the place. And then you guys got to wander around there. And, and see how all of those things interact with each other. Absolutely. And something that I noticed, like a new rule for myself, is that when I'm on a trip like this, I can't bring a novel because there is so much to read in my surroundings. I just want to stare into space and watch the buses go by and watch the people go by and so I have this new rule. Next time I travel, I'm bringing poetry. I love that rule. I think I should I should do that for my next trip as well, because I do tend to bury my head in a novel, and there's so much to be discovered if I look up. I love reading um I love reading poems that I can like read a line and then look up and drink it in and let the words sink in and also swirl around with whatever I'm I'm seeing visually too. So today we're talking about Patreon for artists. And before setting up 
my own Patreon for heroin training, I started out as a supporter for a few creators, notably Grace Gordon. And Grace, I was waiting years before starting one of my own because I wanted to make sure that I was setting up a commitment that I was excited to fulfill to my patrons while also giving, keeping that creative freedom to explore however I wanted to within my art. And it was your page that really inspired me to go for it because as your patron, I could see how you were using the platform to create a welcoming space for your art to evolve. And I enjoyed how this was often in a delightfully surprising way where you experiment with different media beyond what I was already familiar with with you online. So I would love to start by hearing more about your thought process as you set up your Patreon for the first time. What kinds of things were you worried about? What were you considering before you wrote up that page and hit publish? So I had had friends encourage me to start a Patreon in the past, but it was never something I felt called to do because I just had imposter syndrome. I mean, I I wasn't, I I identified as an actor. I wasn't making anything that was self-directed at the time. And, um, I was like, why on earth would I, would I start one of those? But over time, you know, I, I started dipping my feet more into modeling taking it more seriously. And I I became a podcaster and I started doing more self-produced projects. And the the turning point for me was actually nothing to do with my art. And this is, I mean, this is such a grace thing to say, but I was I was in I was very involved in a meditation community when I started my Patreon in uh early 2018. The meditation community that I was involved in was all about connection. It was all about connectedness with other people and how um, how loneliness and isolation is the cause of like all human suffering, essentially. And I, something, somehow those concepts brought me to Patreon. Um, it inspired me to start a page because I needed a space where I could connect to my audience in a more authentic, open way, where I could find who the people were that were committed to my work um, and, you know, committed enough to to put a financial investment down, even if it's a dollar a month. And I, I wanted a space that that felt like was my own. It wasn't Instagram. It wasn't Twitter. It was uh, it was an amorphous um, blank slate, a, a blank canvas that I could experiment on. So I, I hit launch and I was pleasantly surprised that quite a couple people joined, even from launch day. Um, and what, you know, it started as just people who had met me before, even if they weren't close friends, there were people who had met me at a conference or um, you know, writers who I had hosted a like a panel for at a comic con, um, and over time it has evolved quite a lot to be a someone random I've met in a bookstore before, 
or um, many people who found my work online and join up that way. But you know, recently I I even had coffee with one of my patrons, Tim, who just happened to be in town in LA with his partner. And he said, yeah, I don't want to intrude, but if you want to grab coffee, I'll be in LA. And I I said, of course I would. Like we we chat all the time on Patreon and we had a lovely coffee. And that was one of my favorite things was that this, this space really isn't about me anymore. Patreon, Patreon is not about me. It's about creating work that helps out my people and excites my people and it's helped me define my voice as an artist it really is a talking about finding your people it is it is creating that space for them to be welcomed in and i really love the approach that you have of these this is my community and you're here to connect with your patrons and for them to connect with you. And I think that's the main difference I've noticed with Patreon versus like having customers is that it's more of an inclusive environment for creator and um, an audience to share a space. It definitely feels like a shared space for me. And and I also listen to to my patrons. Um, I want to know what people respond to. I want to know what people are into right now. Like I I post a weekly love letter, as you know, which is something you inspired me to do, where I um I write about all of my favorite art and books and movies and activism and events that I've gone to that week, things that really inspired me or um, excited me in whatever way. And and I get a, I, those are usually the things that people interact with most because other people may have seen that movie or read that book. And so then it's like, we're all just sharing ideas and it just happens to be on my Patreon. And I love that. I love the the phrase sharing ideas, because something that I've noticed that's really funny about running a Patreon and a community, which for me is my everyday wonderland secret garden community, is that when I ask people outright, what do you want to see here? I don't get a response. I uh, I recently asked in the secret garden, because we have a, a monthly theme and a chapter title that guides what we're focusing on for the month. And I asked, what theme do you want? And I've never asked this before in running this for a year and a half now. And no one's replied. But part of so interesting. Part of my process for choosing what the next theme is, is I'm I'm watching, I'm listening to what people are independently sharing unrelated to what they're directly asking for. Um, Things like commenting on your love letter of what kinds of what kinds of media are exciting you right now? What are you working on right now? And from those kinds of shares, I get a sense of what we as a community should be exploring next. And I think that's kind of the role of the artist. 
is to be listening to the space around us and to respond to it and not necessarily give people what they want because we're saving them the trouble of having to articulate it. Yeah, and I think there's something really beautiful about people not responding to that post that you made because it's almost like their respect for you to decide. Like, we we want it to be up to you. You're our leader. We want you to tell us what's next. Where you lead, we will follow. And and I think that it's like it is like this symbiotic relationship though with your audience that you have where you're noticing the things that people post about and then you create from there because you are the leader of the community. I want to backtrack for a second and I want to discuss why Patreon because mm. I do come up against people who who hate the monetization of art, who hate that people have Patreons now. Um, and and I want to just have a, a, a little debrief on why I really believe in Patreon as a platform and why I think it exists at all. So uh, many artists used to survive on the generosity of their patrons. But in this like modern age, that system of artist and patron is really rare. And artists can generate like huge followings on social media without any of those numbers converting to cash. And as you know, Zandra, artists need to be paid. And while working on commercial projects for brands and corporations can pay our bills, we also need room to experiment and create our own work. And then came Patreon. Patreon allows fans to contribute a dollar amount per month or per finished thing and directly support artists they admire. Their system takes out the middleman of record labels or modeling agencies and can give artists more freedom to make the work that they believe in without having to follow the constraints around what is marketable. Patreon also allows artists to have a space so they can communicate with their audience, not just followers on Twitter, but those who care enough to invest their money directly. I love Patreon. Me too. I just really wanted to to do that little speech because I know that sometimes people are frustrated. They're like, well, why can't this all just be online? You know, like, why can't I just see this whole photo set? Why can't I just read all of your essays uh, without a paywall? Um, I mean, I know I know that your essays are available on your website, but there's other there's so much more that you offer to your patrons. And, you know, it it, it, it bothers me when people feel entitled in that way. I'll admit, I'm grateful that people want to engage with my work and consume what I'm making. But look, like I'm posting things online. I'm posting things to my portfolio. I'm making a podcast that people can listen to for free. I have to monetize my work. It is work. What we do is work. And if people love what I'm making, they can contribute for that to, you know, they they need to in order for that to keep happening. I'm a proud supporter of many artists on Patreon as well because I want them to keep making what they want with freedom and without the need to to take on endless commercial gigs. So while I'm I'm grateful that people get excited about and, and wanting more and more and more, 
I, I really struggle with the entitlement around that question. Well, how can I get it for free? And Grace, your page has a really great introduction in which you uh, you lay a lot of this out. So I I recommend that people check that out for more. And you do Patreon so well that you get asked all the time for advice on um, on other artists setting up their pages, including me. I asked you for advice when I was setting up mine. So what kinds of things do you think that an artist setting up their Patreon should consider first? So I compiled a bunch of notes for this episode because I do get asked so often for a Patreon advice, and I would love to just be able to direct people to this episode. So here is here are some thoughts about running a Patreon. The first list that I wrote is do. Do mention your Patreon on social media often. Do make content that is patron-only and let the internet know they can join there anytime. Play. Let people into your world of ideas and experiments. Show them the behind-the-scenes and daily life photos. If they are a patron, they are investing in you. Be willing to let them in more into more of your private thought processes or behind the scenes of your work. Interact with your patrons on social media more than other people. Make them feel special. Make them feel part of something. Try to remember details about their lives and interact with their social media, not just about your own work. This is a really important one, and I don't mean for it to sound manipulative at all, but the the honest-to-God truth is like my the people who are patrons of my work are more important to me than random followers who I don't know. <laughs> and like, it's important to me to do things like go grab coffee with someone when they're in town or like do a patron meetup when I'm in Philly or just follow certain people if they're really engaged with my work and, and, and see what they're up to. This is, it's about community and it's about authenticity. So, um, that's a really important part. Don't just talk about yourself all the time. Like, don't just make it only about what you can take. I started this speech with um, my own frustration with an audience, like with, with audience members wanting to just take endlessly. But I think that as a creator, you have to not just take as well. You have to care about your people because your people care about you. I would love to jump in there and say that this tip in particular has been really profound for me, not just as a sense of obligation, but because I have so much to learn from readers who resonate with my work. If somebody is interested in learning something from what I'm putting out, then I have something to to learn from them too. And it's sort of like that time capsule thing we were talking about earlier where I get a lot of great ideas for what I write next based on the questions that my readers ask me. Yeah, that's such a great point. I mean, even things as simple as like one of my favorite books that I read last year being recommended by one of my patrons um, or, you know, people sending me like like poetry they think I would like or artists that they think I would like. That's that's all because I'm listening to my people. Um 
And, and I think it's so right. Like if people are responding to my work, then there's something in them that I would respond to as well. More tips about Patreon. People should make sure that there's, um, patron only content, even for the $1 tier or whatever your lowest tier is. People should put their Patreon on business cards or whatever their marketing tools are. People should thank their patrons often in social media and blog posts. You want to thank people. I I think people should play the long game. You want to get a long-term community on your page by finding your people in the real work. Some people will join on a whim out of curiosity and then leave. This is a big one for me um, because I do so much modeling work. Like, just look, the reality is there are going to people be people who, like, find my page on Instagram and join up to, like, get a month of rewards and then dip out as soon as they get it. And that's fine, too, right? Like, I get money for that. And it's not the long-term uh, community that I want, but it's it's still it's still useful. But if I were to treat my work, like, like uh, as transactionally as that, um, I don't think I would have the long-term patrons that I have had now who who ebb and flow in terms of what like monetary amount they're contributing that month, but always stick around. Those are the people I care about a lot more, and so I'm really making art for them. I'm playing the long game in that way. And just know that it's normal that people it happens to everyone. People will sign up sort of like a trial and they'll leave, and it's it's not personal. Do you ask for feedback on what your patrons need or want to see more of? This is what you and I have discussed at the beginning. Um, and do collaborate. I love to tell people, make work with others who have Patreon accounts. Cross-promote with those who are in alignment with your brand. If someone already supports artists um, on Patreon, they're more likely to support you, too. It's harder to convince someone to sign up for a new service like Patreon than it is to add a new artist they already in an already active feed. So this is a really important one. I love to get people on a live stream if they already have a Patreon. Or I love collaborating with photographers who are very active on there because it's it can only help each of us and it's a it's much less of a leap than working with someone who doesn't already have an account there. Okay. Now for a couple don'ts. Um I and I want to be super clear, I'm not an expert on anything, but I also have made wrong moves in my own Patreon. And there are some of the things on the don't list are things that I've done and it's important for me to highlight that because this an amazing part of this platform has been how it has taught me to refine my own art, to refine the way that I talk about it to refine the way that I engage with a community. So don't announce things before they're ready to post. Don't announce projects before they're finished. I made that mistake with a project that ended up failing and I really regretted hyping up my community for something that for completely, you know, for reasons that had nothing to do with them. Um, for a project that ended up failing. So don't announce things before they're finished and ready to post. Don't overpromise. Make sure you are able to deliver whatever your tiers offer every month 
on schedule. I have been the patron of people who who don't fulfill their rewards and don't fulfill them on a time like on the schedule that they promise. And look, it's frustrating as hell. And I I, I don't want to be like entitled and I would be understanding if someone communicated, but they they often don't. And when that happens, like I do end up leaving because that just it really betrays my trust as a patron when people don't seem to care about doing their end of the deal. Don't people please fulfill your promises, make sure people feel appreciated, but don't feel endlessly obligated to your patrons or like you owe them for giving you money. You're an artist, they're your patrons, you are enough. This is an important one because you have to maintain your own integrity as an artist and you have to um, get out of the like, I'm indebted to this person forever because they gave me a dollar mindset because it can be really, it can be, it just feels so amazing, especially at first, what, that anyone would care enough to, to drop a dollar in your tip jar. And we must remember that like, it's a, you know, you deserve this. You deserve that. So do your end of the deal, but also have boundaries around your time and attention. Do not take it personally when people leave your page. As we've already said, there's so much going on behind the scenes. Money problems, sensitivity about certain topics, unrealistic expectations of you. None of that's your problem. And do not give more than you are comfortable with. Make sure you know ahead of time what your boundaries are with patrons and what you feel your Patreon space is for. Don't be afraid to say, that's not what this space is for. Or that's not what I do. And other helpful tips to close out my Patreon advice segment. Masterclass. Um, read the Art of Asking. My masterclass on Patreon. You must read the Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. Amanda's work has been so influential on me, not just as a musician, but her community building is so important. And she has very specific ideas about Patreon that I think are really worth uh, looking into. And she writes extensively about the platform in her wor- in her book, The Art of Asking. Be wary of time wasters. This is a big one for me. If people email you with tons of questions about Patreon, trying to see what they can quote unquote get from you and making you go through several back and forth emails, it's unlikely that they're going to join. These are t- takers, stay away. This is just a, a harsh reality, especially of being like a, a small business owner or or artist, you know, running all of your own social media. Um, there are time wasters out there and, and you learn over time how to feel them out. Other helpful tips, people like physical rewards, stuff like book mail or patron-only giveaways, handwritten letters, Christmas cards, care packages. People really like that stuff. They can opt out of physical mail, so you don't. You will already know who doesn't want it. But make some tiers that include physical mail. It really, it really excites people to have an artifact, as Ronan would say. Um, last but not least, be really clear on what you're using the space for, and then focus on that. It's easier to start comparing numbers to other artists on Patreon or start copying people because you want to increase your income. Definitely learn from others who are ahead of you, but define your voice in your community first. Yay. Well, 
I think that last point is such a great way to conclude because what I have found to be so helpful about Patreon is that the framework is already there. So you can use that structure to to create what you want and to try new things, but also set those boundaries. And when you get the emails with lists of questions, you can say, "There's a here's a resource for that, or here is where I, here's my monthly Q&A or whatever, where I field questions like that. And to have a space, an official professional space for this murky online waters that we navigate of how much do we give and uh, and where can we receive. And I will just close out by saying like Patreon is the thing that has made me really good at that. Mm. I think building a Patreon and running it myself has made me so much better at handling the business side of my art life, even taking Patreon out of the equation. It's made me value my own time and my work much more monetarily, and it's just made me a better business person all around. So the the being in the practice and the discipline and having the framework that it already provides has taught me so much in even the day-to-day of my art. So we love Patreon. And what is the art life? The art life is making these platforms work for you Mm. whether it's patreon or instagram or twitter whatever it is the art life is making it work for you what is the art life the art life is reciprocal it's community oh i love that yeah so go support your favorite artists and we will support you back Speaking of supporting your favorite artist, Sandra, <laughs> where can people find your art? Well, I do have a Patreon. You can visit it at patreon.com slash heroin training. That's where I run Everyday Wonderland, my weekly program for sending digital postcards and helping you find wonder where you already are as well as some random art projects and behind-the-scenes photos of my essay books and others' prizes. You can also read my essays for free on heroinetraining.com, and I also post them on Instagram, at heroinetraining. But for $12 patrons, I have a secret audio feed of me reading the essays out loud to you in a podcast called Read by Zandra. So just a little bit extra there. Grace, where can people find your art? I can be found all over the internet. I have a YouTube. I have a membership service. I have so many different things. But I would really just like to say join my Patreon today. Patreon.com slash Grace Gordon Official because that is where I compile everything that I'm working on. So my patrons never miss out. They always see what I'm up to. And if there's a new project launching, that is where you will find out. Patreon.com slash Grace Gordon Official. Please find me there over everything else. Well, I hope you enjoyed this masterclass by Grace Gordon. 
And from my side of the world, I wish you a good morning. And from my side of the world, I wish you a good night. This is The Art Life, a heroin training podcast with Grace Gordon and me, Zandra Robinson-Burns. You can find us online at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California, 91607, or email us, theartlife at heroinetraining.com. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining us.